A lot was happening in the animation world in the 60s. It was the decade of the Jetsons, Mr. Magoo, and the Flintstones. Barney, are you nuts? Where are you going with my TV set? In feature animation, it brought us The Jungle Book, Yellow Submarine, and A Boy Named Charlie Brown, the first feature film based on the Peanuts comic strip. Not a boy, Charlie Brown! You can do it! And while animation in Ireland wasn't anywhere near as prolific as in the States at the time, there was some stuff happening. Here's Steve Woods, director and lecturer in animation. There were one or two individuals who dabbled in very simple forms of animation, like cutout animation, which is a simple paper, two-dimensional paper puppets. You had Aidan Hickey making really good little shows. Aidan Hickey was one of the first and one of the few independent animators at the time. So what was that like? On today's episode, we're going to find out. I'm Liam Garrity. It's time to meet your maker. Oh, excuse me. Meet your maker. Aidan Hickey's story starts on Queen Street in Smithfield, Dublin. I'd finished art school and a friend and I had a studio in Queen Street in an old slum building. We were painting, but both of us were teaching as well and it was quite difficult to keep track of things and keep the energy for painting. And some of the time I was teaching history and the kids I was teaching were not very capable intellectually. And it occurred to me that it might be nice if you could somehow find a way to present the history lessons more visually. And that put me to thinking of animation. I then went to the library and got a book, uh, which turned out to be a book on Lottie Reiniger, the old German animator who had made cut paper, silhouette cut paper animation. And there was a diagram in the book that showed how she'd made her first rostrum. I dutifully went down to one of the wood shops, bought all the wood and built the same rostrum. As the name implies, a rostrum is a platform. Then you could put a camera on top to shoot animation. My uncle had an 8mm camera, which I knew he never used. So I uh, borrowed that from him and put it on the rostrum and began to make animated films. And that was, that was how I started. So Aidan starts making a few of the history animations he wanted to do to help his students, as well as some experimental stuff. Ended up realising I wasn't getting anywhere with what I was doing. So I decided I would, um, that was when I left my good pensionable job and went to London. And I did a postgraduate course in Hornsey College of Art. It was called officially Filmmaking and Education. But in fact, we were allowed to do what the hell we wanted. So I just focused on animation. The next year would prove difficult for Aidan. And had to go back to teaching again in London because of his, what they called at the time, the winter of discontent. Whilst we celebrated the start of another year, the lights were going out all over Britain. The oil crisis just added fuel to the coal crisis and gave us the three-day week. Ted Heath had tried to deal with the miners and there was, I mean, they actually switched off the lights in Trafalgar Square. It was really extraordinary. So I didn't get a job in the London animation industry. So he moved back to Dublin, started to work as an illustrator. He did that for a few years. And then eventually got a break from RTE and I just started to make films for them. They were very receptive in a way, but also completely uninformed actually about how it 
how it would work. I mean, I got the job because I'd been working for Eamon de Butler doing some fillers for his programme. Eamon de Butler was famous for making wildlife programmes on RTE. In the days before computers, obviously if you wanted a, a map to show how birds went from Africa to Ireland, you had to put it down little spots on the map, and that was quite simple animation, basically. So I worked with Eamon for a year or two, and then it was Eamon who introduced me to Lima Muraku, who was in charge of the both Gaelic and children's programmes at the time. So I got on really well with Liam, and I remember going in to meet him in, it was in February, I think, and I explained to him what I was proposing to do to make a series of children's films. And he was delighted and said, yeah, could you have the first one ready for St. Patrick's Day? And, well, obviously, even though I can work fast, that was not possible. But anyway, he gave me, I think it was four, I made four films. Uh, it was a series called On Sailing Dull Hearth, um, about an old lady looking out. It was the sort of link between a whole load of disparate stories was the old lady looking out her window watching what was going on on the street. And then after that, I just kept doing them every year. I mean, for did it for about, that was in 1978, I think. And I did it until about 1990. And it was a really good run. I mean, I learned an enormous amount, got paid reasonably well. Aidan made gorgeous cut-out animation shows like CP and Quick Switch. After the Star Wars were over, Junkus Minor was chosen as the best place to dump all the old and broken machines that were littered from one end of the galaxy to the other. Let's take all this junk and wreckage, the people said, and dump it in a place where nobody wants to live. And that's exactly what they did. But if anyone had ever bothered to go back to Junkus Minor, they would have found that there was somebody living there. He was also behind Bosco's animated adventures. Oh, I'll have to stay here until the rain stops. If I try to run back to the house, I'll be soaked in the rain. I wonder where that came from. A teapot? It's very old and dirty. Maybe it's made out of gold. One of the most significant projects Aidan worked on was his animated short An Inside Job from 1987. I can't remember exactly how it started, but I knew I wanted to make a film for Annecy. I knew it had to be extremely cheap because I wasn't going to have any money to spend on it. I think in the end I made it for about £800 at the time. Someone asked me about it and I kind of boastfully said I was going to make an animation with one drawing. And I hadn't even figured out how the hell you could do that at the time. But eventually, thinking about it, I realised it was probably, to keep the drawing at a minimum, I was going to have to make a a really good spoken script to carry it. And I'd worked a lot with Jonathan Ryan, and Jonathan's skill with voices is absolutely legendary. So out of that, and I was always a bit of an old movie buff anyway, so I wrote the script around the idea of one, the trapped man and the dentist who has to listen, he becomes an unwilling audience for this maniac who sneaks into the dentist's surgery and begins to tell him this story about the 
treasure of the Sierra Madre. For the entire film, all we see is the mouth of a dental patient clamped open as the dentist's instruments prod and poke. It's deliciously dark. Oh, good morning. Beautiful weather. Just the day for a stroll in the country, Mr. Um, ah, yes, you're one of our new patients, aren't you? Well, I'm Dr. Prentice. Didn't notice where our nurse put our chart, did we? So, I mean, he has systematically has his teeth taken apart by this maniac while he tells him this story. He spins around to take a slap at Nicholson, but instead his hand smacks into the plunger. The next thing, boom, boom, boom. So the only place where I cheated a bit was in the middle where he has all the explosives put in place and he blows up his mouth as if it were an old mine. There was a, that was a piece of regular animation, obviously, for the explosion. And when the smoke clears, there's a new drawing, which is the wrecked mouth and face. And so it goes on then to its climax. The climax proved too much for the BBC when they aired it. And they chopped the end off it because the end of it was deemed to be offensive and it actually as animation it was offensively bad there was a girl working with me at the time when I made it Jean was her name we were doing an RTE series and she was my camera operator at the time and I was doing this other film on the side I mean as best I could and I explained it to her one day and it's and you know the story it's about the, the poor man who's caught in the dentist's chair and has horrible things done to him so when I got to the end of explaining this to her and she said, that dentist is an awful bastard, you really should do something about him. So I thought she's right. And as a kind of an afterthought, I stuck on, after the credits, I stuck on this thing of his mouth shutting on the dentist's hand. Medical assistance, psychiatric help. Who is your doctor? Now, you must, oh my God. Look what you've done to my hand. And it's, it's pretty grotesque. My pulling hand. <laughs> what age would you have been around when you made that film, do you know? So about 40, yeah. I remember people saying to me in Annecy when I showed it, my God, I thought it was your son who would have made that film, not you. you know, because it did seem like to be a kind of venerable person to be doing <laughs> such a film, but... Yeah. It really was, for me, it was a very uh, important film, apart from winning the prize, the, the Youth Jury Prize in Annecy, which also turned out to have the biggest amount of money attached to it, which at the time was extremely welcome. But also I gave the distribution rights of it to a man called Terry Thorne, who had an American company. I mean, that's, that poster there is his, this big poster here. The outrageous. Uh, outrageous animation. Terry used to do this kind of travelling show through American college campuses, of animation that he'd picked up around the world. You know, he was incredibly good about sending checks. I mean, for years afterwards, I was getting checks. It made more money than any other film I ever made. And a lot of the money eventually was coming from dentist conferences. American dentists apparently loved the film (laughs) and watched it repeatedly. Meet Your Maker is produced and presented by me, Liam Garrity. This episode is part of Animation Island, or miniseries about the animation industry in Ireland. Our next episode features the words... Dude, on my shell and hope to die! So don't miss that one. If you'd like to support the show, take a look at patreon.com forward slash meetyourmaker and put your money where your ears are. 
As always, our theme music is by Breakmaster Cylinder. Additional music in this episode was by Blue Dot Sessions. And finally, leave a review of the show on Apple Podcasts or give us a shout out on social media. I know you are sick hearing that from podcasts, but honestly, if you think a little Irish podcast that is making a mini-series on the history of Irish animation, something that has never been done before, if you think that is worth something, then tell people about it. Okay, see you next time. Meet Your Maker is part of The Warren, the home of great Irish podcasts, as is my podcast, Science Drops. You can find more great shows at thewarren.ie.